Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Another brand new Flyers Daily for Monday, May 16th. As the offseason continues, a weekend jammed full of Game 7s in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Man, Bill Meltzer is going to join us in just a second. Watching this first-round series, all these first-round series, I mean, you look at the Leafs in Tampa, it goes to seven. That that series was on a razor's edge as far as who could advance. The Canes in Boston went to a seventh game. Canes got it done, one goal win there for them, 3-2. They advanced to the second round. The Pens and Rangers last night, the Pens go down against the New York Rangers in overtime. Penguins blew a 2-0 lead in Game 5, a 2-0 lead in Game 6, and a 3-2 third-period lead in Game 7. Is it the end of Crosby, Malkin, and Latang? Crosby going to stay, but does Malkin and Latang wear a Penguin uniform next season? Big decisions in Pittsburgh. And of course, the, the Blues in the Wild, that series went 6. The Flames and Stars, uh, that one going 7, and that taping is not over. The Oilers and Kings went to seven, and Connor McDavid just absolutely took over that game. Mike Smith gets a game seven shutout, and the Oilers advance to the second round. It's hard to win in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But in this episode, let's get to him right now. He joins us every Monday from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, you enjoying the playoffs? Oh, the playoffs have been outstanding. You know, other than the other than the Colorado series, every every series has been. Absolutely, absolutely riveting and some fantastic hockey. So, how about, how about this weekend? Three game sevens on Saturday. Three, three game sevens, yeah, yeah. And the, uh, two more on the, Sunday. Yeah, I mean the Toronto Tampa Bay series was off the hook. I watched every second of that series. That was, uh, you know, pretty. Uh, I, just the uh, just the level of intensity, the the pace. Yeah. That they were playing, you know, and the. Uh, and in the deciding game, I mean, we early in the series we were you know, kind of wondering when's Vasilevsky going to give his A game. Well, with the series on the line, he certainly did. Yeah, he's just so. I think he's still the best goalie in the world, with all things considered. Not just because of the cups, but because of what he's done at playoff time That's and it. rebounding after losses. I mean, it's almost a shame, Bill, because like those two teams, the Leafs and Tampa, and Tampa is trying to win three straight cups. I mean, it hasn't happened since the Islanders did it in the very early part of the 80s. We've had a couple, you know, consecutive winners, whether that was, you know, you go back and you look at uh, a team like, uh, I mean, the consecutive winners, I guess it's only the Penguins and and the Lightning since the early yeah. 80s. And, yeah. and now they're going for three. They're in all time. They're in alternating years. They didn't, yeah. they didn't do them consecutively. So, yeah. That's amazing. But, like, you know, the Leafs lose, and they, haven't, they don't have a playoff victory in so long, and they've had this core together with – Marner and Matthews and Tavares and Nylander. Is this the one that finally brings change? I mean, because that that no. name that gate that series was one on a razor razor's edge. Yeah. yeah, that that series really could have gone either way. And if you would have asked me after six games, honestly, you know, anything else taken out of it, right? Who do you think has been the better team for six? I would have said Toronto. I agree. And uh, so I, you know, I don't think they necessarily need to make a lot of changes. It's it's just how the playoffs go, and sometimes, as you said, I mean, it's a razor's edge, right? It's uh, it's a bounce of the puck. It's a call that goes either way, can can decide a series. Um, you know, if there, there's a slight difference, like, I mean, I guess maybe Vasilevsky was ultimately a little bit better than Campbell, but I mean, it, 
you know, but Campbell had his moments too. It wasn't, I, there was nothing, there's nothing in that series that screamed to me, you tear the core apart, you change coaches or anything like that. It's just, it was just a, a playoff series where one team had to win ultimately. That's all. And the team that you lost to, we're, we're going to look back in history at some point when it's all said and done with this Tampa Bay Lightning team, we're going to say that's one of the great teams of all time. I mean, they've for got, sure. For sure. So, I mean, to do it without Braden Point in that game seven, though, too, for the most part, he tried to get back out there, but he just looked like he was, it was, yeah. he just couldn't move. He tried, he tried, but it just wasn't happening yeah, in the second period. You know, it, it made me think, Bill, like looking at all these years, and as we're taping this, Pittsburgh and the Rangers are heading to overtime. So if we, if we get distracted at points or we kind of go, holy, you know what? Look at that because somebody wins it. Um, you'll hear it live uh, here on the podcast yet a couple day, a couple hours later. But Bill, I was thinking about him and this league, first of all, it's not this 16 of 21 teams that get into the playoffs anymore. So it's easy to make the play. Everybody makes the playoffs in the NHL. That was true at one point, um, but it's, it's hard to get in and boy, it's hard to advance. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, if you look at, you know, the, in the East, right. It took a hundred points. Took a hundred points to be the lower wild card seed, right? It's incredible. That's, uh, that's crazy. I mean, the, the bar keeps getting raised and raised and raised. Um, you know, it might come a year where a hundred points doesn't even get you in. So, you know, it's uh, I mean the the, the level of, of talent in the league. There's there's a lot of good clubs. There's there's good clubs that lost in the first round. There are still really good teams. You know, like in, in certain other years, like. You know, Minnesota, Minnesota, everybody's going to forget Minnesota this year. They, they, they went out in the first round to St. Louis and, you know, whatnot. But that's a very good team this season. And there were other, there were other years where, you know, when the matchups may have been a little more favorable in the past, and that's a team that advances. And that, you know, it, it's uh, – the bar is very high. If you're going to compete, you're, you, see, you see the level you have to play to. So it's, it's yeah. pretty high. That Minnesota team is in a bit of trouble. They have some cap issues, and yeah. you know this maybe was a maybe a one and only kind of kick at the cam with that group because they have a lot of interesting decisions to make. They bring in Mark Andre Flurry, and you know Talbot who finished the year so strong, and how that all played out. Uh, but you're right, Minnesota. That's a good team, and you know St. Louis and a really good coaching job once again by Craig Berube. Sure, they get it done in six. Yeah, it's. Uh... You know, it's uh, I mean, it's just I, it was it was just you know, so so many series and and even even ones that maybe you didn't figure were going to go seven right the, the Calgary against Dallas series that's been a that's been a really good series too another one that's gone seven so it's uh, it's been and a lot of times a lot of times I've found that the you know the the best rounds a lot of times are the first and then the conference finals for for whatever reason sometimes they tend to be the best series. But first rounds often tend to have a lot of excitement and surprises and, and all the rest of that. It's just, uh, you know, the the shift in shift out intensity. There aren't there aren't too many uh, there aren't too many series or even if even if it's decided in five sometimes. You know, yeah. one of the games might have been a double overtime game or whatever it could have gone either way. So the th- the thing with it, I think in the first round it's all adrenaline, but eventually that yeah. wears out and it becomes attrition. And who's managing their bodies the best going throughout the playoffs because it's just such a hard trophy to win. And, you know, you look at it and it's just so difficult to, to advance, whether you're an eight seed or you're a one seed. I know that Colorado steamrolled the Predators, but uh, they were also without UC Soros. They were a banged up team. So um, I think that's more of an outlier. And all these game sevens have been just absolutely incredible. Let, let's talk about. Uh, former flyer captain, because that's apparently that's his legal name now. That's how they refer to him all the time on the broadcast. 
Uh, well, Claude Giroux playing for the Florida Panthers, and he had a huge game six for them to help them advance, including uh, the game tying goal and then assisted on the game winning goal to Connor Verhage. Yeah, that, that, that third period that Giroux played was just Oof. taking his game to, you know, as high a level as he's taken in a long time. I mean, he was, you know, that, that was pretty special to watch for sure. Yeah, and they'll advance now, and I guess they'll get the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that will be a hell of a series. That first round from last year was all just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that was another one. I mean, obviously Tampa won that series and they, they go on and they win their second straight cup, but you know, I mean, Florida gave them everything they could handle. So it, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. Is the window closed on the Boston Bruins as a serious cup team? Keep saying so. Right. And, and it, it seems like, you know, their their core is an older group, you know, Bergeron and and, and Marshawn's in the 30s now. I don't know if the windows closed them being a playoff team, but I do think in terms of, you know, being that being in that short list of teams, you say, hey, they can come out of these. I, I think it should be just about close. Them, but I say that about the Penguins too, right? Yeah. Here they, here they are, a goal away from, you know, beating a very good Rangers team and getting to the second round. So, you know, I I don't know. It's hard to hard to count a team out that always seems to end up in the mix somehow some way um you know and you could also say the same thing about washington and washington too right it seems like maybe the window is closing on them but and you know until they actually have that year where there's that drop off in the regular season yeah. you know i don't i don't know i don't know if they're on the short list anymore but they're you know they're they're a hard they're a hard out you know i'll say that much yeah i don't think the penguins or the capitals have won a round of the playoffs since they won the cup each yeah. that's true that's yep. crazy. I mean, I mean, you look back at Ovechkin's career, and it's going to be—you know—he's only gotten past the second round, I think, three times. One time he went all the way and won it. Yeah. He always had that blockade there of the Penguins. It's, it's just amazing, and you know, big big decisions for Ron Hextall and Brian Burke in, in Pittsburgh this summer with Genie Malkin mm-hmm. and Chris Letang mm-hmm. and how they move forward. Let, let's get some flyer storylines, though. Um, something we didn't touch on last week—I think it happened just prior—is the signing to the entry level contract of Ivan Fedotov. And, you know, I'm kind of seeing in some some other podcasts and some other, you know, people on social media, both in and out of the hockey media world uh, saying, oh, is he going to push Carter Hart? Are we going to have a goalie controversy? And I just want to kind of go like pull the old three yeah. stooges slap in the face and say, slow yeah. your roll here a little bit. Yeah, the guys have not played a game in North America. And while yeah. it's the same size and the net's the same size, the game is so different, and the amount of traffic he's going to have to deal with are going to be incredible. Yeah, the the way that shots come at you, mm-hmm. you know, some, something as simple as playing the puck behind the net, you yeah. know, not. I mean, you know, it, it can be it can be quite a challenge. Um, you know, communicating with your defenseman, all 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 of it, all of it. It's much more physical around the net in in North American hockey than it is in, in European hockey, and. You know, it's been done. Guys have come over from Europe, even a little bit older, and they've, you know, they, they've played right away in the NHL. But a lot of guys are not quite ready, and that's probably the majority. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I mean, you have you have a guy, you know, like I guess one who worked out was Roman Chikmanic, at least in the regular seasons, right? He, he came over, I think, at 29 years old, and uh, he was runner-up for Vezina's first year. But a lot of guys come over, and you know, and Bobrovsky was another success story right off the bat, but. A lot of guys struggle, and what you do in Europe is not necessarily a predictor of what you're going to do over here. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, a couple names, also names from Flyers history. Um, you know, they, they, they had a goalie in the Czech League, Roman Malik, and this was right after Czech Malik was leaving. They didn't even bring him over. But he had he had a minuscule goals against, like a 940 save percentage. It was, it was crazy. Um, you know, but he really was not not very well suited for the NHL, as, as, it, you know, as it turned out. And, you know, probably a good thing they didn't bring him over. Another one was Nico Hovind, yeah. who, who had just phenomenal numbers in Finland. He was drafted by uh, Minnesota, and, and he flopped in Minnesota's minor league system. Came over, he went back to Europe, and then the Flyers acquired, you know, signed him and brought him over. And the the thought was he was going to start with the Phantoms and work his way up to the Flyers. And he actually ended up in the ECHL, and they actually ended up being released while he was in the ECHL because he couldn't stop a puck. Yeah, it's it's, never it's, it's, it's a, it is a big, it is a big transition. So, you know, just you know, just. <laughs> Let him prove it first, and you yeah. and have a, have a plan B too. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. is well a couple things real quick because some of the conjectures. Well, at his size, and he's a big man. He's six seven, yeah. and he's a big goalie. You know, he'll be able to handle that traffic at the NHL level as Panarin scores, just as we talked about right before we hit record. I said, boy, he's been kind of quiet. And you said, yeah. watch, he'll <laughs> yeah. score the game winner. It's- it just goes that way, doesn't it? <laughs> and Artemi Panarin just sent the Pittsburgh Penguins into their offseason. Yes. After blowing a 3-1 lead, no less. So. Yeah, that's amazing. Yep. And, you know, Jari comes back for Game 7. Yep. But, you know, the thing with Fedotov is yet his size may help him with some of that traffic, Bill. But the biggest thing that we see in the NHL today in scoring chances is east-west passing in the offensive zone, down below the top of the circle. It's the hardest saves for goaltenders to make when they have to move laterally across their crease. There's so many elements that could go wrong, and that is, at his size, not a strong suit. Absolutely. There's a lot of moving parts, right? So that means there's holes. Yep. And, uh, you know, once the, once there's a scouting report on them, then it's, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe at first, and then the league gets a video on them, and they adjust to him, and then he has to adjust back again. You know, it's, it's not a it's not a slam dunk. And I mean, uh, you know, I men- mentioned Hovind in a minute or two again. He, he was just as big as Fedotov too. He was another huge goalie. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't think simply the size alone is 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 a predictor of anything. Now, you know, maybe he comes in and, and you know, he'll you know, be a Ben Bishop type who, you know, is a wall for a while. I don't I don't know, but he, you know, I mean, he had. Uh, He's a much more mature goalie than he was when they, you know, when he came in for development camp uh, the year after he was drafted. It seems like it seems like a million years ago. He was 19 at the time. Yeah, you know. But I mean, that you know, I just I just remember in that camp as to how lost he seemed. He was really raw. Yeah, very very raw. And sometimes, you know, well, it's going to be a while till we see this guy again if we if we see him again. Mm-hmm. And it took a it took a long time even the KHL Jason because. It wasn't like he emerged immediately as a KHL starter. He went up through the Russian minor leagues, and then he was a backup goalie in the KHL. And you know, finally, he really hit his stride. And the last two years, he's looked like a late, a late blooming prospect. So hopefully, it, hopefully, it all works out that way. But don't uh, you know? There, there's no goalie controversies yet. The old, mm-hmm. the old to me, it's more of a uh, okay. You know, what is our, what is our plan in case he's not ready for the NHL right now? And and you know and but it doesn't seem like Martin Jones is going to be resigned. So, it, you know, is plan B going to be uh, Sandstrom? Is it going to be look for another veteran with some NHL experience? And he might, you know, if he passes their waivers, be an AHL goal. I don't know. 
I don't know, but I mean, I, you know, it's ex- it's exciting that there's a, a guy who seems to have some promise and, and might come in and, and do well, but let him show it first. That's all. Yeah, no doubt. And it's a tough situation because you're not going to know if he's ready for it until the season starts, basically. Mm-hmm. And to plan in the off season is just not an option. So, you know, one of the things is I'm seeing the Penguins and the Rangers go through the handshake line is I see Gerard Gallant shake hands with Mike Sullivan. I look at those two coaches, and I look at Gallant, and he was kind of kicked around and kicked out of a couple places. But, boy, he's done a hell of a job in a couple places that he's been. He's a really good coach, and he really pushed a lot of the right buttons in this series. You know, are we any closer, Bill? Not, well, we're absolutely closer to a head coach being hired, but we're getting – you surprised that we're not getting any information, or is this just because the Leafs were involved in the first round against the Cup champions? I think that, uh, yeah, I think that that's a piece of it was seeing who got through the second round. And I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I guess it's possible the Leafs end up changing coaches, but I just, Not I don't just because the Leafs suck up all the air of the media. <laughs> and all the yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, and, and listen, I mean, uh, there's always, it was said all along, right? Boost Boudreaux coveted that job. Well, he's off the market, right? He wasn't, yeah. he was never actually on the market, but you know, he decided, well, he's staying in Vancouver, so that's, mm-hmm. that's one less option. I mean, we'll see, you know, we'll see if teams make any – any teams that exit in the first round are going to be making any changes and where it goes from there. I don't I don't think the, the search is going to take that much longer. I, I think that they've already, at the very least, been in contact with, uh, you know, guys who may be on their short list and at least gauge interest in coming in for an interview. And remember, you don't have to come in physically for an interview either. It, it can be done, uh, be done by Zoom. It can be, you know, and you know, it be, might be a final meeting, might be the only uh, one that's in person, or it can, you know, it can be done quietly too. It's uh, particularly with so you know so much focus on the playoffs, you can, you can get a guy in and, and talk to him or, or whatever. I'm sure. Th- I'm sure there's activity going on. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, um, you know, I was asked this last week on an episode where I took some questions. How important, in your opinion, Bill, is it to have a head coach in place prior to the NHL draft on July 7th? I, I think it goes back to what we've been saying, you know, that uh, that is a strong indicator of what you're going to be doing this offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what coach you're hiring? Is it, is it a guy who you think looking more development long term? Or is this a guy, you know, you want to have come in and, and – uh, hopefully theoretically have you contending for a playoff spot, you know, which is, which again, not the same as being a cup contender, but, uh, but it, you know, but it'd be a significant progress from one year to the next. I mean, it, I think that, I think that'd be the first real indication as to what percentage of the off season is going to be focused on continuing building around young players, creating a little cap space, maybe acquiring another asset or two, but not, uh, you know, not making the big, off-season splash but this the bigger the name you go for with head coach then i think the more you lean towards how fast can you turn things around um you know you and i've talked about barry trotz i think the thing with trotz that fascinates me so much is what he did um it's what he did with the islanders in going from the worst goals against the league to the first you know, the number one so i think it was number 30 at the time and then it's to number one the next year without a ton of roster changes. That was simply by getting the team to play the right way and everybody bought in. And, you know, if you look at the playoffs even this year, yes, scoring is way up, 
But if you if you look at where teams are goals against average wise, um, I guess with the Penguins going out, uh, every team for number eighteen through thirty two is now out of the playoffs. Wow. So it's it's still you know it still very much matters how much you can win, you know, how much you can win that low scoring game too, and and we saw you know we saw there were there were some high scoring games, but you have to be able to win two to one too, right? So it's uh, I, I think it's just as big a priority. And to be more doable for the Flyers to cut their goals against than to have a big explosion in, in goals. They they need to increase it at least somewhat, and the power play needs to get better for sure. But I think that that's the little somewhat lower-hanging fruit is, is moving at least more to the middle of the pack in goals against. And if you can make a modest offensive increase, then all of a sudden you're you know, a much more competitive team. I, I think the, the, the modest offensive increase – should just come from basically Sean Couturier coming back and being healthy. Cam Atkinson having the consistency and multiple lines that can put the puck in the net. And then guys like Travis Konechny finding a little bit more goal touch, Joel Farabee being able to stay in the lineup. He was in and out with a couple of different kind of freak injuries this past year. Um, You know, Kevin Hayes being healthy. He was driving offense for a period of time when he came back in that last stint that, I mean, his line was always getting something done offensively. So while they probably still need the high-end offensive piece, but they should they should move up in goals four by proxy of all of those things. Now, that's a lot of question marks. And yeah, it is. It's, a, it's a lot of players, you know, okay, mm-hmm. if, 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 if this and if that. Yeah. And another if is, you know, you look at the, the promise shown late in the season by Owen Tippett and, you know, his line with Frost and Cates. Can they – Build off of that, and then all of a sudden you might have a, a third productive line. That's again, that, that's a lot. There's a lot of ifs, but yeah. you know, but there's at least some potential for it. But I think that regardless of what you do to, you know, in, increase the goal totals, you're you're going nowhere. You're going nowhere unless you're at least in the middle of the pack in goals against average. And I think that's a that's a must, regardless regardless of who they hire. I, I you know, I mean, Barry Trotz could write his ticket, but I think that whoever they bring in. That still needs to be a, a key priority is uh, buying into a 200-foot game as a team. And if there are guys that don't fit in with that, then then they need to be moved. Yeah, on. yeah and, uh, you know, we'll see what kind of movement does take place this summer. And it's going to be interesting, no doubt about it. And uh, the second round is about ready to start. And we'll see who can advance to the conference finals and the final four. Um, Bill, as always, thanks for doing this. It's another Mondays with Meltzer in the bag. Let's uh, do it again in a week's time. Everybody, thanks for listening. Enjoy your Monday. We'll be back Wednesday with another brand new episode. We'll feature my conversation on breakup day with the aforementioned Travis Konechny on Wednesday's episode. So everybody, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you Wednesday on a brand new Flyers Day. Live the-